Welcome to In Season, where we explore the farms, gardens, and wild spaces of the Lower Columbia Pacific region. I am one of your hosts, Teresa Retzloff. And I'm Jessica Schleif. And we're here this morning, this um, crispy fall morning. We are also honored to be engineered today by the amazing Graham. Ooh. Holla. <laughs> Dylan, we miss you. We but... miss you, and you hope you feel better soon. Um, but but we've got a, a serious professional sitting here in the engineering seat, and chime in anytime when you want to offer opinions about bulbs and growing bulbs, because that's what we're going to talk about yeah, today. We're thinking a lot about bulbs. It's the time. This is the time. Um, you're seeing them in the stores, yeah. and uh, they're out there. This is a great time to buy them, and this is a great time to get them in the ground. Um, it's a it's a long term investment. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to plant them now, and then you'll see the rewards come spring. For many years to come, hopefully. Often, yeah, many years to come. And I think that also, it's like how well you plan and prepare. Mm-hmm. It's worth it to take the time to really prepare the ground you're going to plant these bulbs in. Um, and really think about your locations. Mm-hmm. Thinking What's appropriate. About, yep, thinking about your plant communities and what do these different bulbs want. Mm-hmm. What types of lights or what kind of soil drainage? One of the things that we were talking about before we went on air is something that I think a lot of people struggle with is what's a bulb and what's a tuber what's and what's a corm and what's a rhizome? Because mm-hmm. di- there's a lot of things in this family. And we don't have the answers <laughs> to all those things. We were just sitting around going, now a peony. I think it's a rhizome, but is I it think a, it's a rhizome. I don't think it's a tuber. And then you get into the anemones and the different types of anemones. We were talking about two different kinds yes, of anemones. I'm like, no, no, it's a, it's a corm. You're talking about the Cadian, I think. Don't anemones. ask me to talk Latin. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing Latin. And I was talking about the blandas. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're all things that like plants that go dormant and then there's some kind of storage receptacle Mm -hmm. that like all of their energy is stored in which is kind of amazing when you think about it it really like that a bulb or one of those little tiny corms and it just looks like this little dried up nothing yeah like a little piece of bark or and you put it in the ground and then you and here is this dna for this beautiful Flower oh, greenery and flower coming so amazing. up from that. Dahlias are like that too. If you look at a dahlia tuber, it is the weirdest thing. It's like, is that a yam? Is it a weird like <laughs> what is that? They are actually apparently edible. So you know, if there's famine, we can dig up the dahlia fields and <laughs> if they're not smushy and rise from a hard dahlias. <laughs> I've never tried it, but apparently they're edible. That's interesting. Yeah, I, didn't know that. I know tulip bulbs also. Yeah. Edible. I Don't eat narcissus bulbs. Nope. Narcissus is very poisonous. Narcissus also called daffodils. Yes. Why? Why are there two names for it? Because people. Why are there two names for so many? Well, that's true. <laughs> but I just—I've always wondered about that because some people call them daffodils, some people call them narcissus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Narciss- is narcissus just a fancy name? That's just the fancy name, I think. Okay. Then you can call them daffies Daff- or daffy down dillies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of those things. Anyway, they're beautiful flowers, and they all come from these amazing little, little packages that yeah. that are you you dry. All of their their life is stored in that bulb or corm or tuber or rhizome, and you plant them in the ground, and uh, and then they grow. And some of them were naturalized. Some of them will keep coming back. Some of them will start to spread. And and this is something if you're if you're not just stopping by Freddie Myers and thinking hmm. Uh, 50, 
you know, King Alfred's in a in mm-hmm. a net pack. I'm getting those, which there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely fantastic Absolutely and a fantastic. great thing to do. It's a great way to get, get your daffodil garden started. Yeah, but if you're looking in the bulb catalogs and you can see different language around each of the bulbs and looking for that word naturalizing will really ensure that these bulbs are going to proliferate in your garden, mm-hmm. that you're going to have more of them each year. Mm-hmm. Well, but I would, as a, as a caveat, I would say, look at the, like where they say it naturalizes in this zone, mm-hmm. you know, and does it oh, naturalize in, in your zone? Yeah. You know, if we were living in Southern California, tulips are not going to naturalize in Southern California. N- no, I'm they're so not. Sorry. You have to actually stick them in the freezer there <laughs> to make them think they have a winter. do this. Which is just crazy to me. That zonal denial thing where it's, you can't actually zonal admit denial. where, where like you that. live. <laughs> You're like, I will have tulips. I'll put them in the freezer. I'll plant them in the ground. But... In Southern California, they are not going to be coming up the next year. No. You know, you have a a, a one-time show. Mm -hmm. And here, I also feel like, you know, as much as it's zonal denial, it's also location denial. Deer will eat your tulips. Yeah. Do not lie to yourself about this. They love tulips as much as they love roses. Some of the species tulips... the the Turkestanis, some of those you can get away with. I don't know if and those are super. They're low growing. Yep. They don't look like what people think of when they say tulip. No, no, but, but they're, they're beautiful. They're beautiful and they naturalize mm-hmm. well. And there's many different varieties. Some of them just look like little arrows shooting up out of the yeah. ground. Uh, but the, but they are things that you you need to think about where you're going to grow it. And I've heard so many people talk about like, oh, they're beautiful tulips. They were growing, growing, just covered with buds. And they were so excited. And they came out the next morning and they just had a whole bunch of stalks because a deer came by in the night and ate all the flowers Or off. there's the, the reversal of that. I know in my early years here where I was trying to push things, and I was like, oh, the deer won't get these, you know, and because of this. And then suddenly in came the voles. Oh, yeah. So I had tulips. I will never forget this because the client was with me as we're looking at these tulips going, what's wrong? They don't seem very vigorous. I'm just pulling stems out because the bulbs had just been eaten oh, under the ground. No. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 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 So, That's probably not a good thing for me to grow on our farm because we have so many voles. It's true. I mean, they really I've heard love of people the... putting, put it, growing them in cages. Yep. I've heard that too. Or, um, you know, ra- wrapping, doing a whole elaborate chicken wire thing underneath the earth. I don't got time for that. Yeah. I just don't. But if you really, really want bulbs you can also do them in containers that's what i was gonna say and that's often what i what for for those showier tulips Mm -hmm. where you just want to hit i will often do them in containers um sometimes i'll do them in nursery pots so that i can switch them out of an urn and have you know a spring show and then pop back in my use or my Mm -hmm. more solid plant material that's for the rest of the season but you get this little Mm -hmm. shiny you know spring show you can also pot them in a container and and have them blooming and put that out in your garden and enjoy that show of Mm -hmm. bulbs blooming and then when they start to die back because a lot of people don't like the dying back foliage um you know just pull it out and let the other plants kind of kick in Talk a little bit about the dying back foliage because it's really important to I not... I mean, that, that, that is what is feeding the bulb. 
I mean, the, so the, as the greens die as back, as the greens die back, that is putting the food into the bulb for that flower show. The so, coming year. The coming year. Um, people strategize about this in different ways. Um, you can strategize your planting so that other perennials are coming up around that foliage. Um, the autumn crocus is. Uh, an amazing example of that. We're getting a coffee delivery right now, which is just, I, you, I, I don't Janet. even know what to say. I'm just <laughs> Thank so you. in awe. I was kind of wow. crying earlier because they were out of coffee here and we just got a coffee delivery. So we're talking this community, is the most community radio. Community radio, man. This is where it's at. This Into is the air at. room with the fresh pot. Uh, anyway, about autumn great. crocus. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are certain bulbs like the autumn crocus where they're putting up an incredible amount of foliage foliage in the spring. And you're mm-hmm. thinking, okay, are you going to do something? Well, that bloom doesn't come till the fall, and it'll come up without any foliage around it. And so sometimes you can strategize with other perennials, mm-hmm. where you've got a perennial coming that's going to kind of take over, and that bulb foliage can kind of disappear around it. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Narcissus, um, sometimes I actually cut that foliage in half. Like you, just cut it down halfway. Just cut it down. And you halfway. don't find that that impacts. I I personally have been able to have bulbs coming back year after year. You know, mm-hmm. as long as there's something there, and maybe it's not going to make the bulb as strong, but if it's in a really high traffic area where you you just really can't take the full mm-hmm. uh, dieback fo- foliage. Yeah. Um, other strategies, um, people tie them mm-hmm. with jute. Sometimes I braid them, and I think that looks so sweet, and you mm-hmm. just tuck the braid in, and then as the foliage dies, you can just mm-hmm. remove that whole thing and compost it. Tucking, planting annuals around them that are going to come on exactly. as that foliage is dying exactly. back. Exactly. That strategizing mm-hmm. and, and thinking about what kind of communities you're creating with these bulbs. Um, cyclamen are something that I love to use. Um, the small, the smaller dwarf narcissus, like the bulbacodiums, like the hoop petticoats, um, some of these tiny guys <clears throat> that can live in rock gardens, or they can actually commingle with, um, oh, black mondo grasses or mm-hmm. small mondo grasses or um, other types of sedums and things. And these bulbs can just pop right. You can have uh, cyclamen just popping right up. Mm-hmm. through that you know through through these grasses and things and that is just and they don't fight with each other they can coexist they can coexist that's so cool yeah same thing with the anemones like the blandas and some of those smaller um, rhizomous anemones um, can work really well with with other shorter perennials so what do you think are some of the key things you need to do if you want to like prepare an area to plant bulbs in? I know some people want like they just want a whole bunch of, of bulbs to come up in their lawn and maybe like just just digging holes in your lawn and planting narcissus. Some people do that and it works. But if you wanted to have like a nice display of bulbs, where would you start? How would you start? Well, I, I think it's really fun sometimes when we have a new plant bed mm-hmm. and, and you can tuck in bulbs anywhere. Mm hmm. Um, but sometimes when you have a new plant bed, you can really strategize with it. And you can think about heights mm-hmm. of your bulbs. You can think about the types of drainage or light that they need. 
And, and honestly, one of the first things we need to be thinking about here is deer. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a fenced section, yeah. um, what what are you gonna what are you gonna go for? You're gonna be going for the narcissus. You're gonna be going for the alliums, the things that the deer don't want to go after. Is, do you find it to be true that deer don't generally eat peonies? I find that to be true. Yes, so, but but you know these days there's knows? some of those youngsters. These youngster deers, they'll try anything. <laughs> they will try anything. I even saw some of, um, you know, I grow some of these amazing alliums that form very large globes with smaller mm-hmm. flowers that yeah. form a, a globe. Um, mm-hmm. The globe alliums like the Christophi or the Schubertii. And I saw some of those getting nipped this spring. And then what did the deer do? They just drop it. They bite it off and they then drop it. They bite it off. They say, ooh, I don't like that. And spit it out. And spit it oh, out. And that was your today. show. That was your show for the season. <laughs> and there it is on the ground. <laughs> uh, so so prepping. Um, making sure your bed is weed-free mm-hmm. or your area that you're going to go ahead and put. Um, You've talked to me about this with peonies. <laughs> because there's places on our farm where I've wanted to plant peonies. And Jessica will just look at me and say, not until it's better weeded you're not allowed to plant peonies there because it's such a lilies Mm -hmm. um you know it's the same thing with lots of perennials Mm -hmm. but these tubers and um and and some of these rhizomaths things they're very tight it's very hard if you get a a bent grass a crabgrass Mm -hmm. or something growing through that and it's wrapping into those tubers or those rhizomes that is going to be a real pain to get out. It just can live in there forever. It's just a much better idea to to go ahead and prep your site. Or say you're having some some peonies pass to you or some mm-hmm. daylilies pass to you. Take the 10 or 15 minutes to do surgery on that plant. Mm-hmm. Really get out the invaders. You know, mm-hmm. if your sweet friend that has crabgrass everywhere has <laughs> passed something on to you yeah. that then has that worked into it, take the time to make sure that your your starts of things are weed-free. Obviously, if you're ordering from a catalog, they're going to come that way. Mm-hmm. But if you're, um, if you're moving in the green... Mm-hmm. Which is something that is totally available to us here. Uh, your your um, fritillaria is done blooming. Your mm-hmm. narcissus is done blooming. Your um, <clears throat> oriental lilies yeah. are done blooming. You can go ahead and gently, carefully dig those. Mm-hmm. Pop them out of the ground. Divide them up. Don't break the green off. Don't break the green off. And and transfer those around to different places. And that can be a good way of, of like, you you see where they are. Yes. Moving them around, especially if they've been growing in a place where you don't want them to grow. Yeah. Or maybe you, there's a lot of them there and you want to move them around. It can be a way of doing it where you can still kind of visually see. Exactly. And if you're really a visual person, you can sit, and I've done this many times, where you're planning a bulb show and you've got your calendar out. And you've got your catalog Gosh, you're out, serious. and you're sitting there, and you're thinking, okay, January, what could I? February, March, mm-hmm. April, May. You know, you you're lining up your show so that you have something that's happening each one of those months, or or maybe multiple yeah. things that are happening, and that is a 
That is a hard exercise sometimes for those of us that are real visual and real hands-on. And a, another way to do that mm-hmm. is to go ahead and during the season, do those divisions. Look at your landscape. Look at your beds. Look at different areas in the garden and think, you know, this lily wasn't doing so well under this magnolia tree. It's stretching for the light. Let me go ahead and dig this up. Divide up these bulbs and think about some of my higher light situations, um, some of my perennial shows that might be able to take a taller backdrop or tucking taller bulbs in between ornamental grasses. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another way, if you're doing a bulb order and you are in the middle of reworking plant beds and you're not totally sure, like, where do I want this? Where am I good? What's Mm -hmm. the available space? And you're working with perennials and you're moving things around. It's okay to go ahead and pop two or three bulbs into a nursery pot with some potting soil. Maybe top that up. Um, In years past, I used to use bone meal a -hmm. lot. Um, I would uh, dig my bulb hole. I would put a little bit of bone meal into the bottom of that hole. I'd put a little soil on top of that and then my bulbs into it. Um, I often use cottonseed meal now. Mm-hmm. As, as opposed to bone meal? As opposed to Why? bone meal. Why? What, what made you make that it, transition? More, it, it's more readily available from closer sources. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not an animal product. Yeah. Uh, I have a secret fear of Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease <laughs> and think that possibly those prions could be alive in that bone meal. <laughs> that might be a little paranoia. Well, but, but, you know, if that's your personal preference, you yeah. know, and I think for a lot of people having options that are not animal-based is great. And you definitely see that more in a lot of fertilizers. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other options out there. So I think just some some amendment. Yeah. Um, to feed those bulbs. And then in an established bed, do you top dress once a year? So if you have an established bed of narcissus, like, would you fertilize this time of year or in the spring? You could honestly do either. Okay. You could fertilize now and let that soak into the soil. And you could even use an all-purpose fertilizer. Mm-hmm. Um, that cottonseed meal, I know you mm-hmm. I used that in our, yeah. With the garlic. And, mm-hmm. and that was really the first thing that um, got me thinking about it because I was using it for my garlic. Mm-hmm. And I thought, why can't I use this for other bulbs? Yeah. It would make sense that I could use this for other bulbs. Sometimes in the spring, if I see things coming up and I've thought, oh, I haven't really amended mm-hmm. that bed that well, I won't put it directly onto that foliage or directly onto the mm-hmm. crown of the, yeah. I guess that's probably not what we call a bulb coming up, the crown of the bulb, but not directly onto the bulb. Well, maybe on a tuber or, or something like that. Yeah. I think about a dahlia and I, I think of that as the crown of the plant. Yeah. Yeah. When it's coming up. Yeah. I do. I do. I Just raising my hand here, I do still use bone meal yeah. on a lot of plants and, and, and on my garlic, too. I mean, it's it to me, it's readily available. I haven't caught anything for me. Yet. Oh, and you're not going to. You're I know. But to. it's my, my science brain or my art I brain know. or something like connects up with that where I'm like, hmm. mad cow disease yeah. lives in the spinal cord. Yeah. It doesn't get Jessica, killed by just, heat. Just, just I know, stop I know. it. Yeah, stop it. I will. Just stop it. Oh, thank you, Teresa. It's okay. <laughs> We're dialing it down. So um, <laughs> another thing, I don't know about any of you out there, but uh, for me, a couple of weeks ago, I had to say goodbye to my dahlias. 
because that first wave of cold so really early. hit me hard. I know. I, it kills me. I'm driving around, um, you know, closer to the river, closer to the ocean, and still seeing beautiful Dahlia displays. And I'm just like, oh, my yeah. dog. And mine are just a, a brown sad. And that speaks so much to microclimates. Microclimates are really key, but so, but it is coming. If you still have beautiful Dahlia display, I'm here to tell you it's coming. Death yeah. is coming. So Slime. I know. They're going to die back. They're going to freeze. They're going to die back. And and the thing, if you like, you want to cut them, cut the foliage back at a certain point. Like yeah. once once they're fully dead, you cut the foliage back. And if you're going to dig your tubers and divide them or store them, I think you want to wait like a week, maybe even two after you cut them back. Let them just kind of harden off, harden off in the ground and then dig them. Um, dahlias benefit from being divided at least every couple of years. Mm-hmm. They can get very congested. Especially the larger scale mm-hmm. dahlias. Um, yeah. I think some of those smaller. The mini ones. Like the Bishop of Langstorfii. Mm-hmm. Uh, Langstorf. Langstorf, Bishop Langstorf. of Langstorf. Thank you. You're thinking I wanna... of Nicotiana. Yeah. The Langstorf. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's different. Thank you. Langstorf. Yeah. I wonder if it's still, if it's all Langstorf. I don't know. That's an interesting question. We'll I like to add that. those eyes onto the ends of things. Anyway, the Bishop of Langstorff, which is a, a mid-scale, mm-hmm. very red, beautiful, mm-hmm. dark foliage. You don't dahlia. find you need to divide that one. I, you, you know, I found it to be kind can. of, to be honest, I found it kind of a wimpy grower. And so maybe like not dividing it means that it will just be more vigorous. And a wimpy grower, sometimes if you're trying to work a dahlia into a complicated perennial planting, Sometimes those smaller scale dahlias are so much easier. Yeah, to... and you get that beautiful hit of color. But... Oh yeah, and yeah. The, and if you grow them among other plants, um, they can maybe help support the dahlia exactly. a little bit. Whereas, I mean, some of the I and I'm growing them for cut flowers, so those those kind of floppy stems and the slightly more droopy flowers, and and sometimes that droop is beautiful, but not in a bouquet. <laughs> so. <laughs> So I'm I'm a little vicious with some of them, but I love that dahlia. Yeah. Um. And there's so many that are really beautiful. And so just think about that. This and support mm-hmm. and thinking about your support for your dahlias and peonies mm-hmm. before they need it. Yeah. There's so many times that things grow out and you're suddenly like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I need to now like corral yeah. this thing, which if you would have either built a support mm-hmm. out of um bamboo poles or various things. I like to use tomato cages yeah. on dahlias. Yeah. Like if, if they're just sort of individually out in the garden, it doesn't maybe look so great when they're growing. No, but then, but then you, once they grow, they right grow past in, it. you and don't th- even see those, it. Uh, same thing with those um, peony, they call them cages, but they're not really a cage where it's just like a, a circular grid that has some little metal poles that go into the ground. The peonies mm-hmm. grow up through that grid. You can't even see it anymore once they're up. But it holds the stems it up. Holds and the stems yeah, up. those are really important. Um, I would say for things like dollies, a lot of people ask, do you have to dig them in this climate? And I don't think that you really no. do. No. Every once in a while, you can get a, if we do get a really hard, hard freeze, and if your tubers are pretty close to the surface, yes. you can get some freeze and they will turn to mush, or if they're in a very wet location. So I think, again, it's like knowing your microclimate. Yeah. Um, mulch them well. Yeah. I, I put out um, a nice layer of compost on them. I put some lime out. 
put a nice layer of compost on them in the fall. I used to put straw over them because I was so worried about freezing, but I find now that straw just attracts so many slugs. It's true. And the straw has a bunch of great uses in the garden, but putting I, it right on top yeah, of I don't a know. plant that is mm-hmm. just so susceptible to slugs in the spring. It just seems like you're asking for trouble. I mean, the slugs show up anyway, but they really showed up when I mulched them with straw. I would just say, too, that for where you're planting either bulbs or tubers or any of these plants that we've been talking about in your garden, if they are the plants that have the foliage that completely dies to the ground, put a little marker yeah, <laughs> or some kind of indicator where it is. And this doesn't have to be fancy. I think Mm-mm. people get um, stuck because they feel like they need to have a stainless steel marker that's inscribed with the Latin name and this and that, like they've seen <sighs> in public gardens. But really... A stick. A stick. I mean... <laughs> a stick that's not going to decompose. Yeah, tiny bamboos. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're, you're grooming your bamboo and you've got a bunch of little tiny poles, cutting those down to eight-inch lengths mm-hmm. and putting them around. Just know that that's your marker. Um, try to encourage small children who visit your garden to not pull them out of the ground well, and that's move so them around. Fun, though, that's yeah, so I know fun. it's very exciting. <laughs> what about what about depths? What about the depth of the bulbs? Planting, um, yeah. So I was always taught to plant the bulb three times as deep as the bulb is. Yeah. And tall. that's also my kind of yeah. rule of thumb. And and sometimes we get things. Um, and we'll look at the planting depths, and it's six yeah. to eight inches. And you think, is that the same as the bulb three yeah. times? And it kind of is. It is roughly. And yeah. I, I mean, having said that, I, I've planted things a lot less deep than that, and, and it's you still pay been okay. for it. Well, though, no, sometimes. I mean they've been okay. Well, yeah. yes, but not right at the surface. Yeah. I mean, you, you, they do need to be buried. Yeah, I would not plant them too deep. I mean, like. You know, six inches is different than 12 inches. Yeah, it's true. You know, and yeah. so you do want it to be able to reach up. There are things, though, like the um, like the daffodils, mm-hmm. that if you don't get them deep enough, sometimes you won't get a bloom. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I wonder not, why that is. I know. I'm not totally mm. sure if it's. Yeah. So go go down yeah. go down at least six to eight inches for think for bulbs like that. And, and just generally, if you're not sure, think about it as like three times deep. Yeah. And, and think about the top and the bottom. It's really nice to get the bottom of the bulb. Oh, yeah. Like how do you do it? You know, it, it's not so hard on a bulb because no. there are there are usually remnants of roots on yeah. it. Um, but sometimes but on sometimes, the forms, oh. you're just like, what? Where? How? So what I was always taught was like plant, if you're not sure, plant it sideways. Oh, my gosh. And then it's it's probably going to find the light. You and know? they do. I mean, I've seen things totally upside down that. Yeah. Somehow work it out. They're gonna they're gonna shoot for the light, you know. <laughs> you know, another thing this time of year, as you're doing the, your bulb planting, maybe maybe you're coming across bulbs and you're dividing not in the green. Mm-hmm. You know, may, maybe you're dividing up. Uh, I know I was in a garden yesterday, and those beautiful painted lady bulbs that. Um, it's in the amaryllis family. It's in, in the amaryllis family. And it's a really old-fashioned thing that you see in a lot of the older gardens here in Astoria. Mm-hmm. And I there was Along a, the coast, too, because I remember them down in Seaside yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and they can really kind of take over, but there's something so charming beautiful. about yeah. And them. they're blooming right Yeah. They're blooming right now. They're, they're like the autumn crocus. They put up their foliage in the spring, and it was gangly. And mm-hmm. you're thinking, God, I wish that would go away. And, mm-hmm. and But now they're just shooting up these stems and having these very large blooms 
kind of a pink. Yeah, and it feels like it's overnight. Um, yesterday in a garden, some of them giant group of bulbs has worked its way up to the surface. Mm-hmm. And just forking those out, dividing them up, getting them in a little deeper. Another thing to think about right now, slug bait. Yep, slug bait's good. Yeah. Put out your slug bait. Put out and your you're going to need to reapply. I mean, we, we definitely advocate the kind of iron phosphate yes. granule that's safe Slug-o. for birds. Um, Omri listed. But uh, also think about, like, it does dissolve in water. And we do have a lot of rain coming, so you're going to need to reapply it. Yeah, we have a lot of rain coming. Um, we haven't had hard enough freezes so that the fl- slugs are done. Mm-hmm. They're laying eggs right now. It is a great time to be baiting for them. Mm-hmm. And again, in the spring, you've got uh, your bulb foliage coming up in the spring. Yeah. Slug bait close There's to There's been it. times when I thought Dahlia tubers were dead. And then yeah, I, I put out slug bait. And you're like, where, oh, And then hi. suddenly, like a week later, it's like, oh, it's up and, up and going again. So those slugs are there. They're deep in the ground. You're not always seeing them. But, um, yeah, definitely look out for them. It's so exciting to plan ahead. I love this time of year, and I'm really determined to get some bulbs in the ground. I've been kind of lagging on that yeah. um, at our farm, and I really want to get some bulbs going because they're so beautiful, and it's so exciting to, like, plant them and then just be like, ooh, I can't I wait know, for spring. I know. It's like that Easter egg hunt feeling of I'm going to put this away, and then it's going to pop up. I'm going to just find it. Yeah. It's going to be, you know, if you didn't put your tags in. Well, that's true. <laughs> Which is probably going to be me. So it will be a, a mystery and exciting also, spring. Also, uh, to know that you don't have to do a giant bulb order. Mm-hmm. You know, right now I'm moving around elephant garlic. And yeah. I'm moving around some of the fritillaria. I'm moving around some narcissus. Yeah. And where... so you can start small. You know, a few every year. And, and gradually it will add up. And yeah. they will start to divide and and multiply. So. Have a show in the, in containers and then move them into the garden mm-hmm. when they're done. There's you lots know. of options. Yeah. But it's a good thing to be doing now. Yeah, and it's a fun thing. Absolutely. I think we're just about out of time, so thanks for joining us. Yeah, happy gardening out there. Yeah, thanks, Graham. 